Hello, and welcome to the Feminine Genius Podcast. This is a podcast that celebrates all women of God and their unique genius. I'm your host, Rachel Wong. So I don't know about you, but every time I get ready to go out, I try to put some thought into what I wear and how it might look. But if I'm being honest, sometimes my choices are very unintentional. And in this conversation, I was challenged by our guests to really think critically about that. What role might fashion and our appearance have in helping us share God's love? As a fashion designer, Sabina Kasprzak has an eye for all things beautiful, and she aims to cultivate beauty and simplicity through the design she makes, while also helping women tell the whole story of who they are with what they wear. In this episode, Sabina and I talk about how she got into fashion, the importance of modesty in our clothing choices, and how a change in plans ultimately led Sabina to launch her own brand, House of Lady. Sabina. Hi, Rachel. Nice How to chat with you. Nice to chat with you as well. Thank you so much for joining me on The Feminine Genius. I just wanted to share really quickly that I guess we first met back in September of 2019. We were at a, a Catholic Creatives gathering. And mm. just ever since, I've really been so happy to see the different ways that you've been posting on social media. And we're going to jump into that, I'm sure. But I guess first and foremost, if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself and sharing with listeners what it is that you do right now. Sure. My name is Sabina, and I live in Vancouver right now. And I guess I was born and raised in Vancouver, partially raised, I guess. I spent about 10 years of my life in Poland. So I moved there with my family. And after coming back to Canada, I guess my educational background is I have a diploma in fashion design and a degree in communication. And I currently work full-time in the area of marketing in West Vancouver. As you kind of mentioned, I also have sort of a side passion, I guess, a side gig, which is fashion design. And it's something that I've basically been kind of chipping away at for a number of years right now. I guess my main goal as a designer is to cultivate beauty in women's fashion. So that's sort of a central theme for me. I guess I'm just thankful to be able to sort of work and to kind of combine my love of beauty and creativity, both in my marketing work, which is kind of my my full-time job, obviously, and in my fashion design work, whether it's through inspiring posts, like you kind of mentioned, creating things that sort of lift people up and inspire them, or whether it's through a dress that makes someone feel beautiful and kind of reminds them of their dignity and their, and their beauty. So mm-hmm. that's me in a nutshell. Yeah. And, and of course, I'm reminded of transcendental, so truth, beauty, and goodness. And I feel like whether it is through communication and design or fashion and creating beautiful dresses, I feel like that's something that must really speak to you. And being in West Vancouver, for those folks who maybe aren't from Vancouver or know the area, West Vancouver is such a beautiful place. So it that's is incredible. Amazing. It's amazing. And I guess kind of like, that's the thing about beauty. It's just such a universal thing that whether it's in your surroundings, whether it's in a song, whether it's in a dance, whether it's in, in a beautiful dress, it just has this 
universal way of captivating everyone. Like if you think of a sunset, for example, it's kind of interesting to notice and to look at people experiencing the sunset, no matter who you are, like hold you or where you're from, like universally captivated by it. And I think that's sort of the power of beauty. Absolutely. Now, of course, alongside that, I know that we connected at a Catholic Creatives event, and I was curious if you could share what your personal faith journey has been like. I'd love to. So I wish I could say that my faith journey was smooth sailing all along and that it had basically no bumps or hurdles, but that's definitely not been the case. I was born and raised Catholic, and I've basically gone to church my whole life. But I think in the past, my faith was more based on... I'd say a routine than necessarily a relationship with a real person. To be honest, I think that probably to this day, I'd be sort of coasting in my faith, if not for all those kind of roadblocks and and setbacks that were part of my life that really kind of stripped me of my self-reliance and my conviction that I could do everything on my own. And it was actually one of those setbacks and roadblocks that kind of shifted my faith to where it is today. And by all means, it's not perfect. It ebbs and flows, I think, like everybody's faith journey. But it was that roadblock and setback that also coincidentally happened to be a catalyst for for my brand, Lady. It was shortly after I graduated from the fashion design program at UFE. And I had always dreamed of finishing my diploma and then moving on and doing my degree at Ryerson University. And I flew out to the interviews. I met with the professors. They evaluated my portfolio and they kind of assured me that, you know, oh yeah, no problem, I should be able to get in. So that was sort of always my my plan and my vision. So then I basically applied for the next two years and I was turned down both times. All of a sudden I faced this life-shattering reality mm-hmm. that my dream of becoming a fashion designer would never happen. And honestly, it was just devastating. And I know it sounds kind of trivial to say that something like this was devastating in the realm of all things that could devastate you, but... At the time, it definitely felt that way. And especially considering that I never really had considered a plan B for my life. Like fashion design was something that, I don't know, was just so deeply ingrained in my heart that I couldn't picture anything else. So basically when that happened, what I did was I turned my hurt, my anger, my disappointment, my blame and and everything, all those feelings that I was experiencing towards God, because I couldn't really understand why he'd give you a passion for something and a love for something just to kind of strip it all away from you. What I didn't know at the time was that what God was doing was he was basically through that experience transforming my heart for a much greater mission than kind of the really selfish and self-serving one that I would have probably pursued have I gone on to Ryerson and kind of just kept the course that I had charted for myself. Because basically when I was in the fashion design program, I never really had a moral compass and I didn't really have a clear purpose for my designs beyond, you know, just designing something that was trendy, that would get noticed. So it was quite, I think, selfish. And and I never really considered the woman also that I was designing for the actual person too. So I think that in the end, basically what appeared to be this monumental setback actually turned out to be one of the most transformative failures mm-hmm. of my life because it made me realize that sometimes God allows things to happen so that he can get us to basically release this this grip and the stronghold on the plans mm-hmm. that we had created for ourselves to allow him to basically enter and give us those plans that are so much better than anything I think we would have ever imagined. And yeah, so I think that was sort of a pivotal point in my life that really 
changed my relationship with God and, and my faith in general, and also kind of set me on course to discovering a deeper purpose for my designs and for Lady. So that's my faith journey. What really struck me about what you just said was when you had that line about why would he give you a passion just to strip it away? I'm sure for a lot of listeners, they will resonate with that. I know that that resonates with me just thinking about how I was on course to pursue journalism and pursue it full time. Kind of similar to what you were saying, there were different roadblocks that kind of came up and monumental setbacks. And I was just thinking, if I have this passion for storytelling, why are you taking this away from me? Not even realizing that he's in the background and he's orchestrating something even greater than we could ever imagine. Yeah, that's so true. And that's why I'm hoping that anyone listening to both your experience and my experience, if they've experienced something similar, can kind of take a step back and and kind of think to themselves, oh, wait, maybe this isn't really the end. Maybe this is kind of the beginning of something new of something that I'm actually supposed to be doing. Now thinking about, first of all, like at the time of recording this, it's nine in the morning, so it's not super early, but I wanted to say that you already look great. And the first time I met you, you were already looking great. So you clearly have a very keen eye and awareness for fashion. And I just was curious to know what got you into fashion design, because I know that when I was growing up, whenever I was drawing pictures of girls, like I would make sure to take care of dresses, but I don't think that that necessarily <laughs> destined me for fashion design. But what got you interested in that? You know, it's it's funny that you ask because it's not this crazy story. It's not like I grew up, you know, having access to all these beautiful clothes. And actually, I grew up in hand-me-downs and fashion was never really a part of my life. So my initial fascination with fashion started when I was living in Poland. And as a kid, we were allowed to watch about 30 minutes of TV time every day. So my dad got satellite TV for us so that we could stay connected with the English language and kind of have an opportunity to practice it. So I remember as a kid, one time during my 30 minutes of TV time, watching a fashion show that came on from, I think it was either Milan or Paris. But I just remember seeing these stunning dresses walking down or floating down the runway and just being completely captivated by the beauty that I was seeing. It was just something really just divine about like the drape of the fabric and just the way that these women carried themselves that just left a really lasting impression on me as a kid, because I can't even remember how old I was, but I was pretty young. So I think that was probably my earliest experience of just witnessing and being touched by beauty, essentially. So not necessarily fashion in and of itself, but just beauty through fashion in a way. Mm -hmm. And I think that's sort of when the seed was sown. And I don't know, something inside me just told me that I wanted to somehow create that particular kind of beauty. From then on, I basically, I started sketching and probably at the beginning, it did look a little bit like stick figures, but I loved it. Like that's what I started doing is just drawing dresses. So I could do that, sit there for hours and just sketch dresses. And eventually I kind of realized that, you know, if I did want this to transform into something more, I'd probably have to learn how to actually sew those dresses. So that's what I did when we moved back to Canada in grade 11. I took my first home ec class and I learned how to sew. And yeah, and I guess everything else kind of spiraled from there. And, and I've been sewing and designing ever since. I'm going to be honest, I totally forgot that that was a step that you needed. And, <laughs> and I think that also speaks to the fact that I can't sew either. But I guess like, what was that experience like? You have all these sketches and you have all these designs. And then the moment that you made that very first dress or that very first piece, what was that like? 
You know what? It was obviously it was challenging at the beginning because sewing isn't something that came like second nature to me. And I'm kind of a perfectionist too. So I think the initial process was quite frustrating of just creating something. But yeah, there's something definitely very fulfilling when you create something that you're proud of and that you feel is beautiful. And it's funny when I was in grade 11, I totally didn't this was kind of a surprise, something that caught me off guard. Actually, I think it was either in grade 11 or grade 12. But essentially, I decided to take part in a regional skills competition in the area of fashion design. And this was literally my first or my second year sewing. And I remember creating a skirt. Like, it was a really simple skirt. I think it had a few asymmetrical or diagonal lines. And my design actually won the regional competition, which I was just shocked at. Because at that point, when you're just learning, you're like, well... You might think it looks great, but whether other people do, (laughs) it's a totally different story. But yeah, I think the experience of of learning was definitely had its hurdles and growing pains, but just creating something that actually brings your sketch to life feels pretty great. Mm-hmm. And of course, all of this really culminated in House of Lady. And I should note for listeners that it's L A D E Y. So I was wondering if you could just share where did the inspiration for the name come from and what you've been able to create over the time that you've had House of Lady up and running? Sure. So after I had my kind of fashion design dream stripped away from me, or so I thought, I actually gave up designing for a few years because I was kind of like, okay, well, this isn't really what God's plan is for me. So I'm just going to leave it and uh, just walk away from it. But the crazy thing is, and I'm sure you sort of as a creative can relate to having a passion for something that even though you might want to try to walk away from it or leave it, there's something about it that is deeply ingrained in your heart and you can't just walk away from it. It just keeps kind of pulling you back. So I remember one morning, I just kind of decided that I was going to give fashion another chance, that I would have to sort of define a clear purpose and also define what my objective as a designer was going to be. And it's funny because I just literally got up one weekend and I sat down on my carpet. I can remember it to this day. It was just in my apartment. I laid out a bunch of paper on the floor and I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to write down what my purpose is. All these things that I want this brand and fashion to represent based on my whole, I guess, transformative experience in a way that came as a result of that failure. So that's what I did. Basically the whole weekend, I wrote all these things down, my purpose, my mission, my vision. And it really hasn't changed that much since then. I also came up with the name and and the logo for it, which has sort of changed a little bit. But I don't really have a clear answer in terms of what actually brought about the name lady. I think it just came from the purpose, right, of cultivating beauty in women's dresses and in women's fashion. And just out of the goal of creating dresses that instill confidence and that evoke beauty that conveys strength in women. So I don't know, I guess lady, L-A-D-Y was just kind of too obvious. So L-A-D-Y. And I guess I I should just attribute it to the Holy Spirit and say that that's where the inspiration came from both the name and also for the logo, which which is kind of a simple bow. But again, to me, it's just something that's synonymous of of just something that's ladylike and feminine and, and simple. Certainly. And I love that. I mean, at the end of the day, like you say, if there is no clear answer we'll just be like holy spirit jesus yeah. that's it <laughs> exactly I think most, that's where most of great inspiration comes from right? like i think that's where we as creators can't really take credit for per se creating something because i think we're just we're just basically tools in a way bringing to life something that we're we're inspired to bring to life amen yes he's the potter's hands and we're the clay and we just get molded all throughout our lives so great so great 
over the years, you've created a number of dresses and pieces. I was curious to know what your favorite or most memorable pieces. You know, the truth is that, I don't know, every single piece is kind of special in its own way. Mm-hmm. And I think especially for of like some of the wedding dresses that I've created for brides, I think because each one communicates something so intimate about the person that you're creating it for, you know, about mm-hmm. their unique personality, their aesthetic, their beauty, there's not one dress that really stands out because each one is kind of unique to the person that it was created for. But I think that's one thing that is sort of my favorite part in general of the fashion design process and of creating a dress is just seeing the transformative power of a dress, just seeing how a beautiful dress just completely changes the demeanor of the woman who actually wears it. You know, I I think of brides like my sister or a few of the girls that I've created dresses for, just seeing them on their wedding day and just seeing how beauty just transforms their face, their appearance, their, their demeanor. And I don't know, it's, I think that's my favorite part of the design process is seeing that transformation and seeing that impact of, of beauty on women. And don't get me wrong, because I'm not saying that a dress can make you more feminine or, or more worthy than you already are. But I think what it can do is it can illuminate the inherent beauty and and femininity that's already woven into every fiber of our being as women. So I think that's my favorite part of designing and creating dresses is just seeing that come to life. Absolutely. And what a beautiful process to be a part of too. Like you say, it's something that's so intimate, you know, to be able to see the dress that you've, you've worked with these women on and you start to really bring in your own ideas and your own hard work, your own handiwork, and then have it come to life. That's so incredible. It is. But, you know, I think what's really cool, too, is just working sometimes with women who might not really know what their style is and helping them discover what it is. Like, I remember working with one bride and she was like, you know, my style is really simple. That's why I really wanted to work with you because your dresses are kind of simple. And she's like, I don't want any lace. And I was like, well, are you sure? So we kind of worked on different designs and things. And The dress she ended up wearing was totally her style. It was just very simple and beautiful, but it did have a hint of lace. And and she even later admitted that, you know, yeah, the lace just, it looked beautiful. It just looked feminine and dainty. And and I didn't know about that about myself. So I think it's, that's the cool part of the process too, is just helping women discover and bring to life their own style, because that's really what fashion is about. It's not about a trend. It's not about, you know, wearing something that someone says you're going to look good in. It's wearing something that is sort of your second skin and and that's an extension of who you already are, right? Yeah. And I don't want to, of course, exclude the fact that when it comes to fashion, particularly in this day and age, like I feel like as I'm sure that yourself and maybe other listeners, other women can attribute to, like sometimes it can be so difficult when we go shopping to find things that are modest, particularly Mm -hmm. as women, we really are challenged and encouraged, of course, to really present ourselves in a modest way. And this is not to say that you have to be wearing a dress that goes all the way down to the floor and it's dragging out behind you, you know, like as you were alluding to, there are so many opportunities for us to balance beauty, but also modesty. And it was something that you were touching on earlier when you were getting your early taste of the fashion industry. How do you ensure that women look their best while also really keeping to mind this idea of modesty in itself is beautiful? Yeah, I know that's a great question because you're right. Like it's something that you can't avoid. Like even when you're just going into stores and looking at the options out there, there really aren't that many that fit that description, right? And and you're right. And I think modesty has kind of become a bit of a lost art in our culture, which is really unfortunate. 
Because I think the irony is that modesty reveals what's often concealed by a revealing piece of clothing. Hmm. And what I mean by that is that a revealing dress typically only draws attention to one aspect of our femininity, while a dress that maybe reveals less physically has the power to just paint a much more comprehensive picture of who we are as women, of our personality, our quirks, our temperaments, and yes, our physical attributes too. But basically, it draws attention and it emphasizes the fullness of who we are as women instead of just focusing on the physical attributes. And that's where I think modesty comes in. And I don't think that style and modesty need to exclude one another. I think that sometimes, like you said, people associate modest with like dowdy and like frumpy and like wearing a turtleneck and like, I don't know, a potato sack dress <laughs> to your ankles. But I think that couldn't be further from the truth. And, you know, think of Audrey Hepburn, right? Like mm-hmm. I would say her style was quite modest, but it was also so rich and so expressive. And it really communicated who she was, just her quirks, her personality. And even to this day, I guess she's kind of considered a poster child for femininity. So she just left an impression. But the reality is that what we wear says something about us. It tells a story. So it's in our interest as women to basically choose clothes that tell the full story and that celebrate our entirety and not just one aspect of our femininity. And then I think as a designer for me and for other designers out there, I would hope, I think there's a certain obligation too to to design clothes that really serve women, that accentuate their feminine genius and their divine design. I think that's why it's so important um, for any designer to start off just by really reminding yourself, you know, like who are you designing for and what is it that this person will be communicating when they're going to be wearing one of your dresses? I try to really kind of, when it comes to modesty, just think of that whenever I start the design process. And I love that phrase, divine design. The very fact that we're made in God's image, it already says so much about who we are and whose we are. And also the fact that we're not just a collection of cells and body parts. Like there's so much to us because of the fact that we are bringing the light of Christ everywhere we go inside of us. We really should be respecting ourselves in a way and we really owe it to ourselves and other people to respect ourselves in the way that we do dress looks aren't everything as they say but it can be just vitally important when it comes to the way that we carry ourselves like it's one thing to be kind and gentle and respectful to other people but also so much can be said from the way that we present ourselves like our physical appearance it's so true. And I think sometimes there's this misconception that, that beauty and fashion is shallow. But again, just exactly like you said it, if we see our body as a temple, as a temple of the Holy Spirit, and sort of as a physical expression of our divine design, we owe it to ourselves and to the people that we come in contact with to, to celebrate that through what we wear. And I'm not saying like, obviously, most of us don't dress up on a daily basis and like wear dresses and and things like that but when we do have those opportunities to dress up and to think of that that's where I think it's so important to kind of be reminded of that and to really keep that top of mind when we do choose those kind of clothes yes yes I love it every single time a guest uses the term feminine genius it just makes my heart (laughs) burst thinking about your own feminine genius and how you've seen it grow throughout the different trials that you may have had and coming now to have House of Lady and also as a fashion designer, just like how you've seen your feminine genius grow. I guess it's impossible not to say that it's 
but you you can't see the growth. And usually, I guess that's where the growth comes from. Those difficult times that sort of make you pause and think and kind of be a little bit more introspective and put things in perspective. What I've also realized in this journey is that I think as women, we've sort of been given a unique sensitivity to beauty and just a calling to cultivate beauty through our gifts, regardless of what they are. And I think we're also natural nurturers of the other. And I don't know, I think that's just an innate part of our divine design. And I think an integral part of our feminine genius. So I think for me personally, that means basically using my gifts in a way that benefits the other and, and in particular women. And again, something that like obviously in my early days in the fashion design program, that was never something that was even on my radar. And it took all those hurdles and things to realize that, that, you know, my gifts aren't there just for myself. They're actually there to build someone up to actually make a difference to another person. And in my case, I guess my passion is for helping women, kind of helping them realize their value and their beauty and everything that they have to offer, right? So I think that's, for me, part of what I'm trying to do. And and that's why I try to use my designs and kind of my tiny platform to really help women become the best versions of who they were created to be and to really just take the time to, to discover their own unique gifts and to just use their voice and their unique brands of feminine genius to make an impact and not just on their own lives, but on the lives of other people. Because that's the incredible thing about our gifts, you know, whether it's art or service or dance or podcasting or storytelling, every single one of us has been called in a unique way to share a unique brand of our feminine genius. And we have no idea what impact it creates for other people. Like there's one person that will always benefit from your the gifts that you've been given. And I think that's where we have a certain obligation to, dis- one, discover our gifts, and two, to share them for the benefit of others, because that's sort of the whole thing with gifts, that they're not really meant just for ourselves, that they're meant to, to inspire other people and to help other people find their own brand of feminine genes too. Well, thank you so much, Sabina. If you don't mind, if we could close with a prayer. Awesome, thank That'd you. That'd be okay? Okay. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear Lord, thank you for giving Sabina and I this opportunity to talk more about our feminine genius, our divine design, and what it means to cultivate beauty through our appearance. And we know that ultimately you look inwards and you see our true beauty, our true feminine genius, but help us to always make choices that will really tell the whole story of our entire being and really reveal your light through the pieces that we wear and ultimately through the beauty that we create. And we ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. Name Father, Son, Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much, Sabina. And listeners, please keep on the lookout. This is the Fashion Watch. And we're going to keep an eye out for all of House of Ladies design. So thank you so much for what you do. Thank you so much, Rachel. I really appreciate you having me on your podcast. Thank you again to Sabina Kasprzak for joining me on the Feminine Genius Podcast. Be sure to keep an eye out for Sabina's work and updates from House of Lady. You can learn more by checking out her website, houseoflady.com, and that's L-A-D-E-Y. And you can also follow her on Instagram, at houseoflady. I've left links to these in the episode description below. 
You can stay up to date with the Feminine Genius Podcast by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're at FemGeniusPod. And you can listen to this podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and many other platforms. All of this information can be found on our website, FeminineGeniusPodcast.com. We'll talk to you soon, and God bless always.